Hi, and welcome to PodCash, the portable professional development podcast from Cash. My name's Dawn, and I'm the editor of Cash Alumni, the fastest growing professional network of current and future care and education practitioners. You can join us for free at cashalumni.org.uk and get access to articles from subject specialists, careers advisors, access to job vacancies, and our member benefits scheme. Today I'm chatting to Kirsty and Dan from SkillsMiner, which is really exciting because SkillsMiner has just become part of the Cash Alumni offer. If you're already a member, you can head to the professional development section of the Cash Alumni website now and log into SkillsMiner for free so that you can figure out what skills you've already got and what you need to get you where you need to be. In the meantime, if we can have um, both of you just tell everyone who you are um, and why you're here. Um, hi, I'm, I'm Christy Mitchell. I am the Managing Director and Founder of Skills Miner. Hi, I'm Dan Bartley and I'm the Product Manager for Skills Miner. Thank you very much. So what is Skills Miner? What is it that you do? That's a really good question. We do we do really? so many we do so many things, Dawn, but I, I guess at the nub of it, what we are trying to do is help people find work and we do that through a slightly different way to what, what traditional job sites and job searches might do. We and interrogate people's skills through a, through our virtual assistant chatbot, if you like, that collects lots of information on on a candidate, and from that we can derive their best uh, occupational matches, things that they are suited to. Um, and then what we do with that information is we, we look against the various jobs that we've got around the around the UK, and that's how we hopefully find them uh, a really good uh, career pathway for them to come and look into. Yeah, sometimes really difficult to know what you could do if you can't do the same job that you, you did before or maybe you've entered in the job market for the first time and you haven't really considered what those next steps might be and um, for me at the beginning of this journey I came from it um, from being a teacher and I always thought about what would those career pathways look like and you know how could we help um, more people think about either their way into education or training or straight into a job or for example if they've maybe been in a job what what is the next step on on their um, career journey themselves so SkillsMiner is really there to provide that support to them but ultimately what we're about is is helping find them the best job that they maybe never have considered before. Um, so we'll probably tell you a little bit more about um, the, the the intelligent software that we've been busy building over what maybe the last eighteen months, Dan. Yeah, something like that, isn't it? Yeah. That sounds really exciting. So my background um, is actually in employability and in supporting people in that sort of similar situation. So I started really with the employability stuff, working for Connections Direct, so that national career service for young people, um, and moved into welfare to work, so supporting people who maybe had been made redundant or who'd been made who had been out of work for a longer period of time, but who did have some work history, um, and. This sounds a little bit like having me in your pocket, like you can sort of get that advice yourself without having to necessarily sit in with an advisor and, and answer an awkward questions about why you haven't been able to identify what it is you want to do. Is is that the sort of thing that... Absolutely, you know, that, that was the one thing that we started off this journey to do was to provide almost like that virtual work coach in, in your pocket. Um, the, it, it's intelligence, or if you like, it's 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 brain that we've trained it to to, to understand is based around um, occupational behavioural science. 
So that, that that's the scientific part that we've got. And then it also understands every kind of occupation that you could understand um, or do. Um, and then does the mapping process between both of those. I mean, I think one of the things, that I suppose our 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 journeys echo a little bit there, Don. I mean, I've been in Playbilly for kind of 20 years. One of the first programmes I was involved with was dealing with helping the real hardest to help people and seeing the the, the challenges that, that those those people would kind of go through, not just really in terms of the fact that they're often long-term unemployed and had, had multiple barriers, but more the fact that they couldn't really get across the skills that they undoubtedly had. And, you know, the, the, the journeys that those guys would go on would often take, you know, a good year, 18 months to get them into work. And the challenge that we always saw from the frontline perspective, which, which kind of Kirsty's just alluded to, really, somebody would come in and they'd say they've done a couple of previous jobs, but it was impossible, really, for that for that, for that coach, that advisor, or whatever all you call them, to be able to quantify that into something meaningful. So if somebody's done this job, that they've got 50 skills. No human can really kind of comprehend that and then to be able to you know trans transverse those into different occupational areas is just really difficult and that's ultimately what skills miner does it's able to do all those calculations that the human brain just isn't geared up to do i think what's really interesting about that for me is that when i worked in welfare to work one of the biggest things that we really had to overcome was that person's barrier about themselves or about engaging with the service so in that environment i think when you're sitting with a job coach possibly haven't been mandated to talk to them by the job centre or in the case of young people by school being forced to sit with a careers advisor it's difficult to to see your own worth necessarily or to be the person who is empowered to do that exploration to say well actually it might sound daft but I really want to do this over here in welfare work I saw a lot of people that I think had been sort of failed by their childhood in a lot of ways if that makes sense. Totally. And in the early days when, when we, we tested the kind of concept out, particularly with young people that had fallen out of the education system, you know, sometimes their mum and dad had been long term unemployed. So it really is that kind of blinkered approach to thinking about what, what is it that I can really do? You know, um, it, it is only what I know. Um, and so really what we are trying to do with um, with the virtual coach, with the framework that we, we've created and with all that information that we have about occupations and jobs is being able to show people what their real potential is and if you like expose their um, profile to as many different options that are valid route ways for them with their career pathway. And we want to do that in the quickest time possible. So, you know, really when, when, when you pick up our um, on our website or you've maybe used our app in the, in, in the, in previously, then, you know, it, it takes less than that four minutes for us to really start to build up that picture about you, you know, and we're, we're trying to break down those barriers and let people see that really th th those preferences that they have, those ambitions that they maybe have to move into a particular occupation and maybe some previous experience they count as well as their own innate qualities. You know, I don't know how many times I've met um, people on various different um, steps and stages of their journey into work and they'll, they'll maybe discount um, maybe a hobby or something they do or something like what you just said, doing something that they're kind of naturally passionate about, whether that's gaming or whether it's, you know, looking after animals and um, all of these things. Sometimes people think, well, how would that really relate to me getting a job over here? 
Um, and you know, it's only when we break those things down and we show them that in, in, in real time with the data that we can really evidence what their potential is. That that's really difficult to do that um, for the key worker. So it's not not really often the fault of the, of the key workers that you know we have a limited time. We have more people than ever before that need the support of. Um, a key worker or a job, a job coach at this particular point in time. We've got more, more people unemployed. Um, so we, we need to find faster ways to be able to help more people or, or, or at least to be able to help the organisations that we engage with do that in a more effective and efficient way so that they can really target the people who need their help the most. Yeah, and I think talking about efficiency and getting things done quickly, it's easy to, to maybe think that this is less personal or that it would be harder for people to sort of engage with if does that make sense um than than a, than a person um but i think in in my experience the person is often the barrier does, does yeah. that make sense yeah. i mean I, I i go back to again that, that 20 years ago when i first started, started off in this game they just started privatizing like the employability sector and it was really an extension with with all due respect to, to kind of job center plus so you went from really claiming your benefits which I think naturally is a benefit for a lot of people because you know it's not always something that the that the, the, the want to be um, you know publicly talking about and then taking you in an environment where you're talking about those things as well in, in a similar environment and I think just sometimes being able to depersonalize something which is I guess what you're, you're kind of driving at Don so somebody feels comfortable giving an honest answer knowing that there can't really be any judgment in place because it's it's an algorithm ultimately it might act a bit like it's a person but i think you know obviously it isn't a person and most people realize that the chap up there is just to, to the virtual assistants that make them feel comfortable and i just think that's really important for some people you know that they can be honest and open about something because it's the, that principle of you know garbage in garbage out if you if you, people don't give the, the honest answers to either a human or a computer you know you, you know yeah, and I sometimes think that you know when 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 you're when you know when I was teaching as well is that you know your pupil or student they want to please, so they want to tell you what they think that you want to know, and and often that that they're skewing that you know to to whatever particular role that might be, and that you know that was also another thing that I found in the very early stages of of, of looking at this and where where the breakdown in communications really existed and. It wasn't, you know, like even filling out a CV, you know, they, or, or filling out that job application form. They, they, they were trying to make themselves fit into maybe sometimes, the, you know, a, a square in, in, in a circle or vice versa. And it, it, no, I, I, can, I definitely understand that. I think um, for me, one of the, the great things about sort of removing a person from that sort of careers discussion is that it's really tempting as someone who wants to please or for example if you're mandated to be somewhere and really you have to please um to to look at what the most realistic job is rather than what actually is going to give you that long-term job satisfaction and is actually what you want to do what your actual aspiration is and one of the things that used to be really frustrating for me and um, working in welfare to work is i would meet some amazing people who could literally have done anything that they wanted but they didn't know that and because they maybe hadn't had any um, recent paid work experience, but had maybe instead been 
caring for their mum who had multiple like organ failure or something that they just took in their stride and was just part of their life and didn't necessarily place the value on that that they should as a as a as a career or as a you know a, a job that they were filling mm-hmm. they didn't recognize how wonderful they were and actually how many employers would take those transferable skills that they hadn't even realized that they'd had um to give them that pathway to where they wanted to be and would come into appointments and say oh well i'll just look for something in a shop and if you want to work in retail and you want to follow a retail pathway that's great you know but actually if you could be managing a care home because you've got this experience and 10 years ago you did x y and z thing in an office environment and whatever it's the completely wrong place for you to be pointed towards but your human careers advisor or your human job coach would never know if you didn't have the relationship already to be able to share that sort of possibly negative experience if your care responsibilities have recently ended for example or um and i think that depersonalization could be really helpful for a lot of people in actually just identifying what their skills are and how far they could go with the skills they've already got does yeah, that absolutely sense? and that i think one of the really interesting things about it as well is one of the one of the areas that often the 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 entire system is broken if you like in this area is that people are encouraged almost really just to do what they've always done and you know like you've said don for a lot of people that works absolutely perfectly fine if that's what they if they always if they want to do what they've always done it works perfectly but if you've got somebody actually who's at the start of their their career or they might have even started the career at this stage somebody who's still in the education system or somebody who wants to do something different or somebody who doesn't know what they want to do that's where the system for me breaks down a little bit kind of see that the struggle to get those people struggle to get the help that they really need because it's the, the entire thing is pivoted on just kind of the easiest path of least resistance into something that they've already done or that they could kind of easily done that's like an entry level you know occupation and that isn't always the right way to do it people who have all of those potential abilities and talents you know we, we hope that in some small way that we can bring that out and point to people that this is something that you can do we're not going to falsely set aspirations and say that you can do that tomorrow but with that pathway approach that we hope that we can point people into something more of a career rather than just like a, a short fix job you know and it, it's so hard today as if it wasn't hard enough before but you know that really the different dimensions of supply and demand in the job market right now has absolutely turned upside down and inside out of late um, and um, with all the best will in the world, it's really difficult to know where you should sometimes point that um, that compass to. You know, what next? What should I do? What could I do? Um, when there's so many different um, things conflicting within that. So, for example, you know, the, the outsourcing of technology in some sectors have made it really difficult. We've had um, impact from Brexit. We've had impact from COVID. And it, it's flipped lots of the um, conscious and unconscious bias within each of those sectors now. Um, and and actually, in some ways, you know, before maybe it was always that aspiration to become the white collar worker. Um, really, you know, we've been outside clapping and cheering for those blue collar, pink collar workers that have made such a huge difference to society of late. 
um, that you know that there's maybe never been a better time before to really try and break down those barriers about um, maybe our own bias about what our potential is in the sector or actually what it means to enter into that sector anyway as a career pathway. And if you've got a natural aptitude to it, um, well, it's always that thing that I, I said as a teacher, if, if, if you shine and you love what you do, then you're going to be naturally really successful at it anyway. And um, that success is what you make it. And, and ultimately, it's about being um, really happy in life. It, it really is about breaking that down and showing people what are the steps to getting there or just really what is my potential. And again, you know, even the way that um, employers uh, title the jobs that they have, sometimes these are so new, so different. Um, and we've not we've not yet really invented all the jobs that we will go on to do. I don't know what the what the latest stat is, but you know, young people today will end up with maybe what what's it used to be sort of ten plus different types of jobs in their career um, as as they move forward. And um, not all of them are titles that are known. So if we're not looking at the title and we start to look at skills and what combinations of those skills really mean, then that's that's where we really unlock. That, that untapped talent um, that exists. And it's really interesting talking to both of you actually, because you're talking about young people a lot, Kirsty, but a lot of the things that you're talking about, I see very much um, in that sort of middle-aged cohort of people that I used to work with. So for example, people who started off expecting to have a job for life, um, whether they've been in career for 30 years, um, and actually then have been made redundant, or in the case of when I worked in Ashington, um, the cool board didn't exist anymore. Um, yeah. So there were a lot of, of men and women who were in their, their 50s, um, late 40s, who had never considered that they might have to look for another job. And the last time they applied for a job, they literally just turned up and said, I'm looking for some work. Um, and actually the changes in the job market and the way that you have to sell your skills and actually especially I suppose that there is that very British thing of not wanting to brag um, or not wanting to, to tell people how wonderful you are and people are having to get a little bit better at that and whilst younger people sometimes have that support um, through college or school or that sort of career service that, that's going to visit a lot of people who expected to be sorted haven't got any of that help or it's very difficult to to ask for it when you're a professional or you've got x number of years of work history it can be hard to say i don't know how to do this like i've never had to fill in an application form like in this box where it asks us of things do i just say ccv you know and being either able to identify transferable skills and look at your job work history and say actually where else you might be able to go and which skills will get you there I think would really have benefited some of those, th those especially the gentlemen that I worked with, um, for example, who'd had those industrial careers in the coal board, to be able to see that it wasn't the end of the road and that there were other options for them. And it wasn't just a case of we're telling them that to get them off benefits. You know, that that's such a, a brilliant um, point to make and, and was a really interesting juncture at the start of my journey you know I, I ran out to try and make a big difference for for young people that find themselves not in employment education and training and and actually this is at that time um, I started working with the organization that uh, Dan my colleague was was working at because they really recognized the technology had the capability to help 
thousands of people that, were, that found themselves unemployed and, and on work program at that particular point in time. Um, and um, and that was really the, the bridge that we made into working with lots of different people from all different age groups because we realised that technology had the ability to, to appeal to them because really it, it was just about having that conversation with the, the virtual assistant. Um, it, it was neither geared up to just the, the, the youth market, it really was just about those skills and, and what your frequencies were and maybe if you had some experience then, then really how could, how could we help and so for me that, that was incredible that we, we could make that leap and that they saw that there was potential for the technology to make a big difference. And do you, do you, do you miss the magic? You know like that moment where you're sitting in a room with someone and it eventually after you've worked with them for weeks and it clicks that actually they're mint and that they could do this thing over here and that they've got this skill set that they didn't know they had do you miss that? Yeah, we so because I suppose what we get to see on the a, a kind of countermeasure to that is the data on the other Absolutely, side. Absolutely, that's what I was just going to see. We get to see the magic from a different point of view. So we get to see that not only the impact for the individual, so you know how how they've how they've navigated through that journey quicker, what kind of role they've ended up in. Um, with the user stories that we followed, you know how how are they really enjoying those jobs as well? That that's been that has been such an eye opener for some people. That thought I would never have thought that I'd be great at that job, but now I'm doing it and I love it. And the things that skills miner identified that I could do, I actually really recognised that in myself, but I hadn't quite arrived at that conclusion for for myself at that time. So those things have been fantastic but you know the wider impact that we get to see from from data sets about the the real social and economic impact of what we are doing that's where it gets really exciting for us as a team Um, it sounds like you actually get to see much more of the like service user journey um than you would even if you were following them like as an advisor or working with them on that sort of appointment basis because you're actually getting to see the stuff that they do between their appointments as well does that yeah and it's more quantifiable i think isn't it dawn that's that's kind of the difference you know i think sometimes you, you you might not get that pure visceral emotion that you get when you're like front facing with somebody but because by virtue of getting that like extensive data that we're like that we're able to utilize we hope that and you know we, we don't want to say that we're trying to replace like that face-to-face journey it's just a different different side of the same coin really isn't it you know it's that ability to quantify some of those things that take place in in appointments and be able to leverage that data in a kind of different way really the the, the, the those frontline services should and probably will always exist but there's, there's other ways to there's different ways to pluck the chicken to, yeah, to there's different different things work for different people don't they so that it, it's it's great that actually maybe for someone who's you know more or less engaged than the person who needs the person to sit with them and um, that that's there or even as I say this is the sort of tool that when I was an employment advisor I would have loved to have been able to employ with people you know like yes. I think you'd be great at this but why don't you do this and figure out what all of you you know what, what, what you think from what the options are 
Um, and actually, we've talked about sort of young people um, who may be a bit, a bit disadvantaged or um, people who are further on in their career and older people who fall upon hard times. Um, but selfishly, um, I'm now thinking about ways that skills might now would have been really useful for me when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. I was a really academic kid and I went into the careers advice session and said, this is what I want to do and this is the degree I'm going to do to get it there. And they went, okay, great. That's what and happens, actually, isn't it? It wasn't what I wanted to do. It was just, as you said earlier on, it was what I knew. I wanted to be a drama right. teacher because when I was at school, the drama teachers were the ones that made the most difference to me. Yes. But someone had actually sat us down and explored that with us. There was a lot there that actually it had nothing to do with being a drama teacher or the skill set that was involved in that, that maybe it would have been better for us to go down a social work route way or to look at, you know, these jobs that I hadn't even considered existed. I can really say actually how this would be beneficial for people who think they've got a really good idea as to what they want to do, whatever age they are, Um, even if it was just a, a sense check to make sure that actually is that the right fit? The thing, it's one of many things that somebody on the front line can, can deploy, you know, with, with different people. Like you say, for some people who are absolutely uh, set on what they want to do and that's the right thing to do, it's absolutely fine. But actually, how much harm is there in exploring other things? I think what, one of the things that we've probably learned this year, haven't we, nine months ago, we probably wouldn't have thought that people who loved working in hospitality or travel or whatever, uh, would have had any reason to to doubt that or, or doubt yeah. that, that, that you know how how long term those 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 jobs would be. But now, obviously, all of all of those people and many more obviously have had to unfortunately rethink some of those things. And and it's the same probably from some of our generations with shipbuilding and all of those type of things. The heavy industry that's declined over the last twenty years or thirty and forty years. You know. It, I think now more than ever, this, this this year's taught us that you probably need to have a bit of a plan B. You can't just rely on doing something that, that you've that you've done previously. Brilliant. Um, so where can people find SkillsMiner if they wanted to find out more about you um, and they're not someone who's going to be able to use the service um, through the Cashel and My website? Um, you can find out about us on our LinkedIn page um, and or alternatively you can look on our, our, our website as well which is www.skillsminer.io Excellent, thank you so much for your time, you've both been absolutely wonderful and thanks to you at home we hope you enjoyed this episode of Podcast don't forget for more great content tailored to everyone in the care and education sectors you can join our membership network cashalumni.org.uk. It's free to join and you'll get access to articles from subject specialists, careers advice, job vacancies and our member benefits scheme. If you'd like to feature on a future episode of Podcash, please get in touch with us through the contact details on the Cash Alumni website. Until next time, take care.